Uh, well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm cl- I've got my, my pass in my hand. They will have to pull it from my cold, dead hand, just like Charlton Heston and his gun. <laughs> everybody to this week's bonus edition of the dcl duo podcast and we couldn't get enough of seth kaberski this week so he was our guest on the main show where we talked all about what it's like to visit universal and walt disney world right now during the covid reopening period for those parks but we wanted to keep the conversation going with seth so let me start by saying seth welcome back to the show hi brian hi sam thanks so much for having me back on great talking to you again well, Seth, while we have you, we couldn't avoid some discussion of all of the news and events that have come out of Disney recently. Oh, my God. Um, it's like a fire hose. It's, it, it never stops. But it's like a fire hose of dirty water. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's just been nonstop. We're taking this away, taking this away without much yeah. information over what might or might not replace it. But curious if you have let's start with the orlando based announcements that disney made curious oh, if you ooh, i want to talk about the uh, the ap well, we're gonna get there we can't, <laughs> we'll get there not we can't not talk about APs with the, with the co-author <laughs> of the disneyland <laughs> official guide so but let's start with the orlando based news any any reactions to the elimination of the magical express and the i guess i'll call them changes to extra magic hours you know the so the magical express it's been a long time coming it doesn't surprise me that it's happening it does surprise me a little that it's happening with the timing it is because you know we've got brightline which is going to be a new rail service that's going to take people directly from the airport to disney springs but that doesn't look like that's going to open late 22 23 maybe so it looks like there's going to be about a year gap between the end of magical express and the beginning of this new service the thing with magical express is It was great for the time it was created, which was an era before smartphones and rideshare apps. When the competition was rental cars, Magical Express was brilliant because it encouraged people to rely on Disney for their transportation, which trapped them on Disney property. And it made them much, much less likely to visit SeaWorld or Universal. And so it was worth the money that Disney lost on operating the service for what they gained in keeping people on their property. But as soon as people were able to use Uber or Lyft to get off Disney property for 20 bucks or 30 bucks round trip, as opposed to 50 something bucks for a cab or spending 100 bucks a day on a rental car, then Disney is basically subsidizing the other park. Disney is basically paying for you to go to and from the airport and people are still free to leave property uh, easily. At that point, it's no longer a, a financial win for Disney. You know, the, the thing about Magical Express is people are like, it's free, it's free. No, it's not free. You are paying for it in the price of your hotel room. It's just a hidden cost. Just because they're not breaking it out doesn't mean that you're not paying for it. Right. It's like everything on Disney Cruise Line. If it's not free. <laughs> right. Does that, But does that mean that the price of, the, of a hotel night is going to go down now that Magical Express is gone? No. No. No, no. That's, that's the key with, you know, that's capitalism, folks. Every time that you, you set a price based on a cost and then you eliminate that cost does not mean you reduce that price. <laughs> it just means that you have accustomed the customer to paying that price and people will very often continue to 
pay a price, even if they are getting less for that price. That's that. I mean, that's in a nutshell, that's it for Magical Express. And I, you know, that's been getting the majority of the attention. Personally, I didn't never thought that the relatively small amount of money that you are saving using Magical Express compared to the overall cost of your vacation was worth the hours that you lost on your last day of your vacation because they made you get back to the airport so ridiculously early before your flight. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you here, Seth, because Mm -hmm. you don't have children, right? No. And so this is the difference, right? When you've got to lug car seats and whatnot. Um, that that's I was the, I was just yeah. gonna, I was just going to get there. That yeah. the, the the one demographic that Magical Express was really really important for is people who have more than one child who needs a car seat. Yep. It is almost impossible to get a cab or an Uber with two or more car seats. Exactly. And Magical Express was one of the few. Now mirrors operated Magical Express. And I see absolutely no reason why Mirrors cannot offer a nearly identical bus service that will simply you will simply pay out of pocket for. Exactly. There will they're, you know, they're not gonna leave millions of families stranded at the airport. As long as there's money to be made off of <laughs> getting people to Disney, someone will be offering that service. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're just gonna be aware of what you're paying for it now. Yes, I think that's what they should have done, though. So I know Mears has already said that they will offer options. They haven't obviously come out of exactly what it's going to cost or what it's going to look like. But I think what they should have done is Disney should have come to some deal with Mears where it wasn't offered as an included service, but it was sort of an add on. And so that you Mm -hmm. could because those families with young children and for us, we're only a family with one young child, but we still appreciate not having to lug a car seat. We also appreciated the minivan service that's now gone. So there's we like having, you know, multiple options and we would have paid, I think an upcharge, not on every circumstance. Cause there, are, I think you're right. There are times where it's like, Oh my God, how many hours am I going to waste on this bus? But I think there are plenty of families who the experience of, of just not having to worry about how are we going to get to our hotel and how am I going to lug these two car seats or three car seats? Mm -hmm. that's that's all worth paying for. And so I think there are plenty of people who would have paid for that service as an ad. Yes, yeah. And I I get the feeling that Disney and Mears did not see eye to eye on this change. Yes. You know, um, I I think Mears has been very happy having this monopoly for a long time. And Mears' press release made it sound like this was not a a mutually uh, agreed upon decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to go to go back to your timing issue, I think Sam and I are both lawyers and we looked at that and immediately said, well, what's going on here has to be that Disney has to give mirrors a certain amount of notice under a contract that's expiring. Mm-hmm. And at the end, yes. so like, that's got it's got to be it. Yeah. The reason they announced it is because if they didn't, mirrors was going to say something that Disney had sent them a notice of cancellation and the service was going. So it was going to come out one way or the other. So Disney was just saying, we got to tell people that we're giving mirrors this notice, right? Essentially. So I think that's the timing issue for me. What I find really interesting is that there just was no and and this is this is i think endemic to every announcement they've made i I would have loved to have seen something like but we will continue some premium offer or something like that Mm -hmm. here's the interesting thing you would think that disney would would want to create this end-to-end package where basically you get off the airport you know get the airport and then and and that that would be an advantage to them for some bizarre reason I, i i don't have enough 
inside knowledge to know why this is. But across the company, they seem to be getting rid of that. At Disneyland, they used to offer a service called Disneyland Express, which was a chartered bus service. They got rid of that last year, even before the pandemic. Disneyland was a little like that's my concern is that this mirrors offering at Disney World will ultimately go the way of the Disneyland Express because di- we took mm-hmm. the Disneyland Express once or twice and it was like it's four awful. people oh, on a massive bus it was terrible and the parks are are so like the rental cars are between two different airports like it was it was it's just easier and frankly it was nearly I don't want to say it's cheaper but it was mm-hmm. easier pretty cost effective to just grab a car and I have a feeling Disneyland was situated in the middle of Anaheim right and so people want to get off like off property you can see see off property, right? Mm-hmm. Disney World, you can't see it. You're in a bubble, right? And so, as I say, the part I'm going to miss the most about Magic Express, car seats aside and all that sort of stuff is just I check my luggage at my home airport and it ends up in my hotel room. And I know people complained about the timing of that and all that sort of stuff. But if Disney told me for $25, $25 a bag even, <laughs> like <laughs> we'll make sure your luggage makes it from your home airport to your hotel room because they weren't using those buses for that. They were using cargo trucks for that. This is this is just my personal speculation. But I feel like when they were dealing with luggage and transportation, they were Disney was putting their name on a lot of moving parts that they didn't ultimately have control over. And when something went wrong, Disney got blamed. So like if your luggage didn't make it, well, you know, there's a lot of other people other than <laughs> Disney who might be responsible for that, like the air, the airline. But, you know, ultimately, it's Disney's fault when your luggage isn't in your, your hotel room. Right. And maybe they decided that the, the hassles and the complaints when things went wrong that were out of their control became too Not much. Worth it, I don't, yeah. I, I know that, you know, Universal has this thing called the Stu- Superstar Shuttle, which is a paid shuttle that goes from the airport to Universal. They are extremely quiet about it. It exists as an option that travel agents can sell, but it has some of the lowest satisfaction ratings of anything that Universal offers. Wow. Um, because I think it's the kind of thing that it's, they, they don't own the service, that it's a, a third party operator. And, you know, the, the complaints are the same kind of complaints that people get about, gave about Magical Express or like, you know, I had to leave too early or the time wasn't right or they didn't have a, a vehicle ready. And we had to, and and those are things that are ultimately beyond their control, but they get blamed for. You know, maybe maybe that's the reason. I, I think ultimately it comes down to a spreadsheet. Someone looked at a spreadsheet and said, we are spending X amount of money on Magical Express and we are getting X amount of benefit for it and it's just not worth it. I mean, what's interesting is on that transportation spectrum, they also, uh, Sam alluded earlier, they've canceled minivan service or it seems like they've abandoned that service. Mm -hmm. That was something. I mean, they contracted with Lyft to provide the reservation for the service, but the cars were owned by Disney. They were staffed with Disney cast members almost exclusively for transportation around Disney property. That, I think, is absolutely a spreadsheet decision. I Mm -hmm. I just have a feeling not enough people were using it, but it was interesting to me to think like, why not take that service and convert it to some sort of upcharge airport transportation as well? They were already doing that. You know, you could take a minivan to the airport. We had a... Mm -hmm kind of a bad experience with it on our end when one didn't show up that we'd reserve, but I don't think that was the minivan service. I think something got crossed in Disney's What I want to know is what happens to all these minivans. Can I like go they to sold a local them. use? Did they sell them they're all? Sell- I, yeah, like- they're selling them. There's, you can find them at, um, do some searches online, well, but I've you heard, can actually I've, I've, find them. Yeah. I've heard Are, conflicting information about that. They're like selling I've, them with the, the IP, the, uh, 
the paint yes, job and everything. Paint, yes, yes. We saw. I saw one online. So I, I think we should start a service. We should just buy a bunch of them up, and we should start a service. <laughs> yes. We can make some money. I've heard conflicting information because we've also heard that they're all just sitting in a parking lot over by Epcot right now. So, so that's yeah. that's what I had thought that they had uh, been spotted in some aerial photography, just uh, chilling in a parking lot. So I'll have to I'll have to look into that. I just I just bought a new Honda Fit, I've, but if I had known, I could have had a minivan. <laughs> Well, there's some there were some internet rumors of them selling one. Somebody had a picture of one at a dealership, and it got debunked. No, that it was it was there for some service, right? It wasn't uh-huh. it wasn't actually on the block. So, okay. yeah. Seth, what about extra magic? Uh, yeah, extra I, you know, powers? all the attention has gone to Magical Express. I think that's kind of the bigger deal. One, we, we're reducing we're reducing what was a benefit that was you know an hour in the morning or sometimes multiple hours at night, and we're turning it into just half an hour in the mornings only. But the bigger impact, I think, is by making it at all four parks on every day means that if you are not an on-site guest, you will never have a morning where you can rope drop and be the first person at an attraction. Mm, and I didn't even think about that. That makes a big difference to our touring plans. You know, all our touring plans are kind of predicated on the best way to to do the parks is always to be there as early as possible. Previously, you know, we would tell you if there's extra magic hours at Animal Kingdom in the morning, don't go to Animal Kingdom. Go to the other park uh, because the Extra Magic Mornings would concentrate on-site guests at that location, and it would give people who knew about that and decide to take an alternative route an advantage. Now, there's no way to get an advantage if it's happening at all four parks on every morning. And it means that the rope drop doesn't really exist for off-site guests anymore the way it had. It's definitely going to take some analysis and testing to see exactly how that's going to impact. Hopefully, by spreading out the on-site guests among the four different parks, that will lessen the impact it has on any particular attraction. But, you know, Flight of Passage, you know, things eventually go back to normal and Flight of Passage has two to three hour waits instead of 20 minute waits. You're not going to be able to bypass that by showing up before rope drop if you're an offsite guest anymore. Yeah, I'd, I'd seen an article on this this week that I hadn't thought about it in this way. As Disney took away one thing for resort guests, they did this other thing that would actually be seen as bolstering the need to stay on site now. Yeah. And and in fact, that's probably about the only perk I can really think of of staying on site now. Yeah, no, for sure. I saw lots of internet folks highlighting, here were all the perks you used to get and you mm-hmm. know now they're, they're all gone, right? Or they're all in question. At mm-hmm. least like fast passes was a perk that's kind of up in the air as to when or how Disney might bring those back. Dining plans, same thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, a lot of this we're DVC owners, and some of this starts to bleed into that space as well. Like you know, uh, is yeah. tables in Wonderland going to? Well, you know, you yeah. made an investment in DVC, <laughs> expecting that there were certain amenities available at the resort. You know, I hope hopefully you know a year. So down the line, we will be back to where we were. Crisis equals opportunity. And I think that Disney is not going to let the opportunity to cut costs and reduce benefits. Uh, If they have the chance to do that now and kind of put it all under, oh, well, it's the pandemic. And then people, you know, forget and stuff doesn't come back. (laughs) It's a great, great opportunity to kind of slide those things under the radar. We've seen them do this before where they scale things back and then ultimately they have to like go the other direction because they start 
park attendance goes down. They start to do more for annual pass holders to get right. them on. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a pendulum. It's a, it's a pendulum. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, I want to correct my statement about the minivans because I just looked it up on the internet. There was somebody who had reported seeing two for sale at a dealership, but it was it, it was not confirmed to be true. So um, yeah, Hopes. so fake it, news. yeah, fake news. So fa- clickbait, fake news. Um, so it's there. There have not been others spotted, and I think your point, Seth, about them keeping the the wraps on them, the uh, the mini wrap on them. Yeah, I can't imagine Disney selling that off. Uh, yeah. With the branding, they don't on want it. those yeah. driving around town. Right, somebody, somebody getting into accidents and stuff. I mean, can you can you imagine like can you imagine that someone with bad intentions buys one of those and starts you know trolling the elementary schools? Hey, kid, want to come oh, see gosh. Mickey Mouse? Oh god, that's creepy. God, that's a PR nightmare. Well, okay, so let's let's get to <laughs> yeah, the we got to talk about the AP yeah. situation. Yeah, 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 yeah this let's, is let's big. get to the Disney news topic of the hour. We've got diehard Disneyland fan with us, the co-author of the unofficial guide for Disneyland annual pass holder. Uh well, uh, yeah. I'm I'm cl- I've got my my pass in my hand. They will have to pull it from my cold dead hand just like Charlton Heston and his mm-hmm. gun. <laughs> yeah, so what was your reaction to that? I not surprise. <laughs> <laughs> because let's let's face it, Disney has been wanting to scale back or get rid of the Disneyland annual pass holders for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not saying they want to get rid of the, the pass holder program because the program brings in money for them uh, and provides steady revenue. They've been wanting to get rid of the pass holders. <laughs> <laughs> they want their money, because, just not those because, people. Just exactly. Not people. <laughs> they want their money. What they do not want anymore is their opinions on social media and their protests <laughs> every time any major minor change is made to the parks. And and their constant um, their their sense of ownership. I mean, basically, what it it comes down to is Disneyland over the last couple decades created a monster. They nurtured, they fed this group that believes that they are part of the Disneyland family because they own an annual pass. Mm-hmm. They don't see themselves as consumers. They see themselves as active participants in the legacy of Disneyland. And while any other business would probably kill to have that kind of brand loyalty, mm-hmm. for Disneyland, it's a real two-edged sword. You know, it means that you've got people who are constantly giving money to you, but at the same time, they're constantly bad-mouthing you mm-hmm. and causing bad publicity for you. And it you know, every time that they tried to make some adjustment, whether it's raising the prices or limiting the benefits to try to reduce the pool of annual pass holders, they'd complain louder and louder, but they'd still renew their pass. Mm-hmm. So when you get to a point where you've got an estimated million people in the Southern California area who, who have an annual pass to Disneyland, and you know that Whenever you start reopening these parks, they are going to be the ones to flood in. They are going to all insist that they have to be there on reopening day. And they are going to scream to the news media if they have to wait in the line or they're not allowed in or, you know, there's bad traffic. You know, there's no no way they could win. There's Mm -hmm. no way that they could possibly win other than hitting the giant emergency red, you know, do not break in, in case break in case of emergency button <laughs> and and just you know flushing the whole system down the drain and saying we'll figure this out later because when they are finally able to open Disneyland they want that park 
you know, if they're only at 25%, they want that 25% made up of people who are giving them cash right. and, and paying money and not people who have their annual pass and they're just coming in to wander around Main Street and take photos and buy a Rice Krispie treat and then leave. So, which I, which I can, yeah, which I can, I can totally sympathize. They've got to maximize we, per capita spending once yeah. the gates reopen in order to recoup their losses. Which, which I can sympathize, but we, we're annual pass holders. We live in Seattle. And so when we go down mm-hmm. there, we're going down for long weekends. And so they like us because we're spending I, lots of money. Well, well, <laughs> yeah. But, but also I'd love to, I, as an, as like someone coming in from out of town, but who holds an annual pass, I can sympathize with like, I, reducing the percentage of annual pass holders in that park on a day-to-day basis to make the guest experience for for people staying in the hotels a little bit better. I'm curious, for instance, when Disneyland reopens, is this the only change we're going to see? Not not from a mm-hmm. COVID standpoint, but from a broader standpoint, like they're limiting extra magic hours at Disney World. Are we going to see no more early entry at Disneyland? I I don't know. Like I think that's a big selling point for those resort hotels on site that, you know, they're compete they're in heavy competition with outside hotel so, entities. But yeah. So at Disneyland, you have the advantage of far fewer hotel rooms relative to the park capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, you've only got you've got in terms of attractions, if you add Disneyland Park and California Adventure Park, you have roughly the same number of rides in those two parks as you have in all four Walt Disney Parks. Mm-hmm. But at California, you only have three hotels and you don't have anything on the scale of a pop century or an all stars right. that is just, you know, filling up those ranks. So I think that when the parks reopen, in order to justify the absurd nightly room rates that they charge for the three Disneyland resort hotels, they have to continue perks like that magic morning because you're really not getting many other perks mm-hmm. uh, out of out of that hotel room. I think what's interesting to look at is some surveys that have been going around. You know, Disney loves their surveys and uh, no two people get the same survey. They send, they randomize these surveys and they send them out to thousands of people and they kind of collate the responses. But by looking at some of these surveys that are going around, you kind of get an idea of where they're going. And we can see that when the parks come back, when there are tickets again or annual passports, however they want to call them, it's no longer going to be 365 days a year. You just wake up, feel like going to Disneyland that day and drive up. Mm -hmm. There's going to be limitations on how many times you can use your pass, what days you can use your pass, what time of day you can use your pass, and how far in advance you're able to make a reservation to use that pass. Mm. The key thing to look at is the Flex Pass, which is an annual pass that Disneyland introduced a year or so ago. And it was at a better price point than their previous annual passes. But the catch was you had to go online and make a reservation to visit on a particular day. Mm-hmm. A lot like very, very much like the park pass reservations they're currently using at Walt Disney World. So I would expect that when Disneyland comes back, that kind of system is going to be mandatory for basically all types of tickets. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they set a price point for the annual passes, how many options you're going to have. Mm-hmm. You know, are you going to be able to basically roll your... That would be interesting. If you could basically roll your own annual pass where you say, this is how much money I'm willing to spend. This is you know, how often I want to visit the park. You know, Maybe you'll be able to make a trade-off between visiting multiple days at a slow time of year, or you can 
visit one day during the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, like a points, never- like a DVC points kind of a system. Yeah. It's, it's funny. We, we had a very similar conversation and I was saying, I feel like they could do this this point system like they do with DVC stays where you get X number of points on your annual pass and there's different levels. You could pay for a more, you know, a platinum level versus paying for a silver level and you get X number of points and you can use those points however you want. But that means there might be limits, capacity limits and whatnot, but it gets real complicated. And I think they have to be very careful, create a system that allows them to control attendance the way they need to, but without being so complicated and confusing for people. You know, yeah. a lot of the reason that the people spend the money, you know, I'm sure there are people who don't use their annual pass enough that they could have probably saved money by having a lower annual pass or just buying a day ticket when they feel like going to the park. But they, they're willing to spend that extra money on an annual pass for the ease and the convenience and just the psychological knowledge that I can go to Disneyland anytime I want. Even if I'm not going today, if I wanted to, I could. And taking that away, you know, that's kind of an intangible. It's like, you know, how much is that worth? How is how much is the knowledge that you are able to go to Disneyland anytime you want worth? And, and the AP and the AP only um, events or, you know, the, the magnet days and things like that. Even even just those little things. Yeah. Oh, and that's the other thing. I think that Disneyland has always provided a lot more annual pass holder events and perks and just sense of community than Walt Disney World does. And so losing that, they've got to come up with some other sort of loyalty program. If nothing else, like I know that if I didn't have the 20% discount on stuff, I, I w- would spend a lot less money. Um, <laughs> I spend more money because I'm like, oh, I'm, I got to spend money to save money, right? <laughs> um, so they've got, you know, even if they're limiting how often people can come, they've got to balance that out with incentives to spend more money when they're there. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, my two reactions are, so there are th- I have three reactions. One, they've already said they have to do some sort of program and that makes sense. Otherwise, the locals are going to burn that park to the ground because they're not going to pay <laughs> ticket prices. Mm-hmm. They're not going to pay ticket prices to come whenever they want, right? Californians so, can be a rowdy bunch. <laughs> well, they're just, they're, they're, that park is a local's park and they have out-of-town guests. But Seth, as you noted, mm-hmm. the, the hotel rooms are limited. There's lots of options to stay off property and there's plenty of people who do. But it's a, it's a local's park and they pop in and pop out and they go to downtown Disney and all that stuff. And they do it because, you know, I can go there and get a discount. I don't know that people have ever actually thought through whether or not Disney has just correspondingly raised prices over time. <laughs> discount, but whatever, ding, you know, ding, like they, ding. They, yeah, <laughs> they do have that sense of community. This is the place they go to hang out, right? They're, loyalty they're, they're, there. They're, yeah. yeah, they're there constantly Instagramming all the time. Right? So, so that's, that's, it's a locals park. They don't have to do something. I think what that something looks like. Yeah. It, Flex Pass was like them. I, I guarantee they introduced that as like, let's dip our toe in the water of change. And now they're the, the ability to, well, we can just hit reset and just head that direction now, right? As opposed to trying to evolve a program over time and deal with the blowback. We just canceled the thing, refund people and send them that direction. So mm-hmm. I absolutely think that's to your point, that's the direction of the future is this Flex Pass. And then it becomes really interesting. Like, what are the, what are the things they continue? Will AP discounts continue and what will that look like? What will, you know, are there new perks that they might offer to help support the program? What was the price of the pass? That was the most expensive pass in this Disney system because they were using price to try to deter people. Mm-hmm. And so, and it wasn't working. People are still buying the, buying the yeah. passes, uh, you know, or, or selecting lower price options of, of passes and taking blackout dates. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I also just like, 
I have this sneaking suspicion that wherever they land, they will continue to offer some kind of super premium pass, mm -hmm. right? Where Because the one thing that Disneyland has going for it consistently is it is a hassle-free vacation in the Disney system, right? You show up, everything's walkable. You don't have to worry about your transportation if you're vacationing there because everything is walkable. Yep. Park hopping is a must because the parks are sitting right across you know, the street from each other. So it's not even, it's not even a question. Park hop, max passes, you know, eliminates the need to do fast pass reservations. Dining is easy to get because the locals aren't taking up all the reservations for, for, for dining in the park. So it's much easier to get decent dining reservations. So as you make that more complex, right, there's like some buffer of, we can add complexity to this right now, but they can't go too far. Right. <laughs> because mm -hmm. then I think it eliminates that carefree atmosphere of going to visit Disneyland, but I still, I still sort of suspect along those lines, there will be some super premium offering because I think, I think if you're buying at that level, you're walking to the parks and spending money, right? You're the, those are the people who get VIP tours or pay for, uh, you know, upcharge tickets to events or do a lot of sit down dining and, and premium dining in the parks, right? So there is this end of the consumer spectrum that is not using the annual pass necessarily just to save money, but because they want perks. And so mm -hmm. I have a feeling we'll see a lot of flex pass options. I still hold out hope that there's going to be some premium offering out there that will be cost prohibitive for a lot of the locals, but not necessarily cost prohibitive if you're the kind of person who wants to spend the money on the experience, if that makes sense. So, Yeah, I'm Disney will always, if you have the money, Disney will find a way. <laughs> uh, and my, my guess is that when this is all over in a year or two, when it shakes out, things will be improved for your out-of-town visitors, your once-in-a-lifetime guests who are, are spending the most money, it'll, they'll have an improved experience. The majority of the local annual pass holders will grumble for a while, and then th they'll figure out how to make the new system work for them, and it'll pretty much be a wash. The 1% that is going to be hurt really bad by this are the professional Disneyland visitors, uh, <laughs> the vloggers, the Instagrammers, the people who have built a life or a career out of visiting Disney multiple times a week. Mm -hmm. And they are going to have meltdowns on the internet. And they're going to probably get a lot of publicity, but they are not the guests that Disney is designing their parks for. And they well, yeah, I mean, those, those guests don't really spend a lot of money in the parks. I mean, yes, they spend money on their AP, but they're not the ones buying well, like tons of souvenirs. Yeah. And there's kind of, you know, it, it happens here in Disney World too, but there's there's kind of a mentality that, you know, the vlogging community or the Instagramming community is important to Disney, mm -hmm. that Disney needs them, that they're in some sort of symbiotic relationship. And I think they're going to discover that they are in a parasitic relationship, not a symbiotic relationship, and that the host is quite willing to shrug them off. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, any sort of reservation system will cause issues for that community because it means they can't pop in when the latest thing right. is open. Well, if, if I mean, if your if your income is based around posting the first YouTube video of some snack on Main Street, you might want to consider going back to school now. <laughs> well, but, but I was going to say on the flip side of that, as as DVC members, I can tell you. Disney has to be very careful in how they build their reservation system because, you know, DVC has a major loophole. People walk their reservations, right? I know I want to stay at Christmas, so I start a reservation in June 
And I just mm. constantly keep moving it forward and adding on to it until I get to the date I need, right? So, oh. so it's, it's, it's very possible that what happens is, okay, so it goes 90 days out. Lots of people are booking in the first 30, 60 days. I'm going to book a res- I'm gonna book one at the 90th day, and then I'll walk it to the 91st the next day, and then the 92nd. So I always have a reservation for the park right there at the ready when I need it. So, uh, you know, uh. that, there's, there's those kinds of loopholes, unintended loopholes. So, yeah. But we'll see. But I think to your point, Seth, the the folks who actually are making money off of being an Instagrammer at the parks, I think they only need to go back to school if they're not making enough money. (laughs) (laughs) If they're making a lot of money selling other people's, you know, Disney themed products and things like that, they maybe can afford that, uh, that premium pass or whatever, you know, they end up they end up putting maybe but i think there's going to be a lot of bloodletting in yeah. the uh the west coast internet disney internet uh, yeah fair point on that note seth it has been just great talking to you tonight and we've really enjoyed having you on you're such a wealth of knowledge we'll, we'll have to have you back at some point for more questions because I, I have so many when uh the world comes back and we are all going to theme parks again and and have have that to talk about i will happily come back. How can people find you, Seth? Yeah. So um, our website, which is kind of the hub of all our information, is theunofficialguides.com. And on Twitter, it's the UG series. So we've got a YouTube channel. We've got Facebook that you can subscribe to. And you can find links to email me there. Thanks again, Seth, for coming on. It's just been great having you on this evening. And and thanks for taking the time. It's been a pleasure. Take care of yourselves. Stay, Stay safe. Well, as always, we love having Seth on the show. He is such a great guest, so much information. I can't wait until we learn more about the Disneyland annual pass situation and we can see if any of our prognostications were correct and even have Seth back on to chat about it. Frankly, I just can't wait for Disneyland to be back open again because that is our park. That is our home resort here at the DCL Duo being on the West Coast. We love to hop down there and visit for long weekends and we're really missing that ability right now and travel in general. So can't wait for the cruises to come back. Can't wait for Disneyland to be back and can't wait to be able to travel to Orlando safely again for our family to uh, to visit Walt Disney World. So great talking to Seth. Great catching up with him. Can't wait to have him back on. With that, I do want to thank all of you out there for listening to our bonus episode this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us those five-star reviews. They are super helpful in surfacing our content to people who might enjoy a show like ours and we would love to continue to grow our listenership. So please, please, please head over and leave us those five-star reviews over on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content, or you can join our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group. Just head over there, hit join, and we would love to have you as a part of the conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and DCL cruising fans. So head over there, join up. We'd love to have you in there. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.